Hello, everybody, and welcome back to For the Girls. As always, keep the messages coming on Instagram. We have been loving hearing from all of you. We have so much to discuss after this past weekend in Spain, which I think people assumed would be somewhat uneventful with the hard-to-pass track, but wow, was it an action-packed race and with some controversy, no less. We will get into many debates here, I'm sure. Both championships have officially changed hands in Red Bull's favor, which seemed unthinkable only a few races ago. So let's get into how we got here. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm Tiggy. I'm Sarah. And I'm Chessa. So with that, let's talk about the main takeaways for the weekend. Mine's pretty short and sweet. I think this was the weekend of the season that shook things up with a Red Bull 1-2, Charles DNFing, The Constructors and Drivers' Championships were both turned on their heads and obviously now leading in favor of Red Bull. Also, Mercedes had the weekend they needed. The car looked better, and both drivers were in top form. And lastly, it made me a little happy to see both Alpines in the points. For me, I thought it was wild that this race ended up being such a banger when everyone thought it would be boring and hard to pass. Um, The main takeaway for me is how Chessa was saying this really should have felt like a huge triumph for Red Bull with their second one-two and taking the lead in both championships, which had seemed so unlikely with Max coming from almost 50 points behind in the driver's championship. But instead, both drivers were very publicly upset with the team on the radio, and it ended up feeling kind of awkward, not triumphant. Another big takeaway for me was that the upgrades didn't really seem to do much besides Mercedes. The other teams were kind of where they were before. And for me, sort of related to what Sarah had said about Red Bull, Just this whole concept of team orders, and I think a lot of people have been talking about it. My feeling around it is that they're kind of frustrating, and I think it's a little bit too early in the season for them. I understand why they exist in Formula One, given the championship structure, but imagine this existing in other team sports, like, oh, please throw your swim race because we want this other guy to win. I just, I don't know. It just seems like kind of a crazy crazy thing to be happening so soon. And I feel like Checo is too much of a team player to be public about his frustrations, but the whole thing soured Max's win for me a bit, but we'll get into to our thoughts around it and why it happened and whether or not we agree. So in terms of how our hot takes held up, I said Hamilton would have a comeback race. And in one sense that definitely came true. He didn't (laughs) get podium, but he raced from the back of the pack and over a minute behind the leader at one point to finish fifth. Um, True greatest of all time form. He is P1 in my heart this weekend and just really makes (laughs) me excited for what's coming. I think Tiggy has officially transformed into a Lewis fan. (laughs) I I think I have. (laughs) That's a hot, that's a hot take. Um, My hot takes actually also held up pretty well. Um, I had Carlos ahead of Charles. Obviously that was by default, but still. And I had one Mercedes on the podium, so there we go. Mine was Max Wynn, <laughs> um, the cold take. And then I also had Carlos and George on the podium. So George was on the podium. Carlos was not. He wasn't P4, but just kind of a tough race for him. And he mentioned that he's still really struggling. So I think, honestly, I need to stop putting Carlos ahead of Charles for manifestation purposes. I think my eggs are in Charles's basket now. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh but fair. Okay, what were everyone's um, most valuable players, MVPs? Hamilton. I also said Hamilton, and I threw Checo in there just because I think he had an awesome drive. That he did. I think George. 
I think George mm-hmm. really was amazing this race. He kept either Max or Checo behind him for like 40 laps, which we'll get into. But I think seeing him wheel to wheel was really exciting. He did a great job. All right, least valuable player. Okay, I'm sorry, Sarah, because I know you're not going to like this one. But Max, I think for me, I just, I really didn't like hearing him throw a tantrum on the radio. I'll never deny his talent, but I really think Checo probably could have won this one. And I just, I don't know, I'm never a fan of drivers kind of throwing tantrums on the radio when things aren't going their way. And I, I actually don't think he's really like this. He never used to be a blame the team kind of guy. So I would love to just see him regain some of his composure, you know, contrasting to Charles's power failing and just hearing him have the most heartbreaking no and went in and hugged the entire garage and was just pure class in the after interviews. So I think he's, you know, maybe Max could learn from a a bit of that. Diggy, mine was kind of the same. Mine was Red Bull minus Checo, mostly um, Max and Horner, like one, because he was complaining on the radio, but also because Horner, I think, just so haste to make that call on the team orders to let Max pass Checo. And I just don't think it was necessary. Like it would have played out on its own. So Red Bull minus Checo for me. Yeah, we'll get into my thoughts later on. But besides my thoughts on the Red Bull situation, mine was Ricardo because he got resoundingly beat by Lando when Lando was literally so sick. He was like halfway past it on the floor with tonsillitis. <laughs> so not really a great look for him. The announcers at one point, Ricardo got passed by Yuki and the announcers were like, wow, that was a super easy pass. <laughs> and then yes. Lando also passed him when Lando again was like severely ill. So I'm going to go with Danny. That's a good one, Sarah. I agree with that. So just getting into a couple of quick highlights from practice and then quality before we jump into the race. So for practice, Leclerc was on top of every practice session. It was a pretty standard top six for each session, mostly with Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes. Alonso snuck in the top six for both FP1 and FP2, which was great to see. And then Nick DeVries drove Albon's car and beat Latifi, which was sad for Latifi. For him. Good for him. Yeah. In, in Q1, we saw two veterans, Vettel and Alonso, knocked out, as well as Stroll, Albin, and Latifi. So that's both Aston's and both Williams out um, so much for Aston's new car. Um, Alonso was knocked out in Q1, which is pretty much unheard of for him. So it's sad that it had to be at his home race. He seemed to have had a misunderstanding with the pit wall about his last flying lap. And we also saw a good showing from Mick in the top 10 for Q1. And then in Q2... Um, the TLDR was Norris, Ocon, Yuki, Gasly, and Joe were eliminated. Mick was going to miss Q3 by a tenth, but then he snuck right in when Lando had his lap time deleted. So it was Mick's first ever Q3. Yay. And also I need to throw in here, my voice has not recovered from the wedding in South Beach this weekend. So sorry, everyone. <laughs> And then Q3 and final results here. So Charles actually spun out on the chicane on his first flying lap, but with only 45 seconds left, he still hadn't set a time and managed to come back and take pole with a stunning lap. So really great performance from him. Verstappen said he'd lost power at one point, so he wasn't able to try and top Charles for pole. And it turns out the problem was DRS not working, which is a bit of foreshadowing. So in the end, starting grid, we had Charles P1, Max, and Carlos, George, Checo, Hamilton, Botas, and K-Mag, which was a a wild card in there. 
So let's talk about the race. I think overall it beat all expectations in terms of excitement. It's traditionally labeled a pretty boring track that doesn't have that much sexy overtaking, but this was a pivotal race in the season so far. Lots of good action. I think all of our favorite action was the really close racing between the Red Bulls and George Russell for like basically the majority of the race. Um, On top of that, the conditions were super hot, like very unseasonable for Barcelona at this time of year. The teams kind of were on their toes, had to adapt. Obviously, some will adapt better than others. Also, the hard tires didn't provide much grip at all, so the teams are basically just limited to working with their soft and medium tires. And because of that, it turned from a two-stop race into a three-stopper for a lot of people. On the bright side, both Spaniards scored points at home this weekend, which made the crowd happy, although I think both had higher hopes for their performance. But funnily enough, sadly, there were a lot of reports that the fan experience was really not great. I think there were super long lines for water, not great transportation, all that sort of stuff on the logistics side. But the circuit said they'd work with F1 to improve it for next year. So hopefully they can do that. And one thing to hit before we kind of dive into the race, um, it was a huge joke at the start of the weekend that Aston Martin came out with this huge new upgrade looking suspiciously similar to the Red Bull. So their side pods looked markedly different and had transformed to have a very similar kind of sloping angle to what the Red Bull has. And so at one point on the pit wall, the whole Red Bull squad was drinking green Red Bulls, which was a very, (laughs) very funny move from them. But sadly, entirely redoing their car didn't really help them. So we'll get into that. In other news, Drake made his first Formula One bet, putting $300,000 on Charles winning. Sadly, that did not pan out for him, but love to see Drake getting in the mix in Formula One. (laughs) You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. So let's, let's get into the race and how it started. It was a little bit stressful for the Red Bulls. They were literally trying to fix the DRS on Max's car right up to the start. But once we had lights out and away we go, Charles had an amazing start. Turn one was a really big passing opportunity. And sadly for our King signs, George and Checo were already past him right at the get-go. There was also a slight contact between Lewis and Magnussen, which we'll get into. And Lewis dropped really far down into P19 and immediately had to pit. In other news, our, our boy Mick was up in P6 for a little bit up at the beginning there. And then, unfortunately for him, Alonso had to start P20 because they decided to replace his engine right at the like 11th hour. Obviously, he got a grid penalty for that, but he was up in P15 by the second lap. So for all accounts, a pretty good start for him as well. So now jumping in by team, we'll start with Ferrari. Sadly, Charles, as we said, did not finish, and Carlos ended P4 after dropping down to P11 after a big trip through the gravel at the start of the race. Um, same corner, same turn Max spun out at. 
Their upgrades were mainly focused on the floor of the car. First major upgrade since preseason testing, so it's unfortunate they didn't have a much better weekend than they did. Otherwise, it was dominance from Charles all weekend until the power issues in lap 27. Obviously sad as he was on top in all the practice sessions, quality well ahead in the race until he had to retire. He had a 2.2 second pit stop, which was super impressive. That's insane. Yeah, so crazy. And then by lap 20, he was 30 seconds ahead. So he was just kind of out there chilling. Everything seemed to be going perfectly. And then the power issues. Yeah, for those of you who aren't as familiar with Formula One, we really can't emphasize how big of a gap 30 seconds is. That's practically as if you're not even in the race anymore. Exactly. Yeah, the commentators were really having a field day about that. They were like, this is could not be going any better for him. And they might have jinxed it. <laughs> they definitely did. Charles is obviously devastated, but he was, like we said, sort of a class act on the radio, in his interviews, went in and hugged everybody. And just his message was, we're focused on all the good this weekend. We've had really strong pace, feeling good. Sadly, this ended his 16 race finishing streak. Um, but we're hoping for good luck for him in Monaco, which usually hasn't panned out, but maybe this time oh it will. <laughs> And one thing that's interesting is the problem was an engine failure that seemed kind of similar to what also happened to Joe, who has a Ferrari engine at Alfa Romeo, and the team was pretty vague about what the problem was. They said it was both not a reliability issue, but then not a design issue, so I'm not really sure how that works. But um, the cars with all the Red Bull reliability problems and now Ferrari's problems seem a bit more fragile than last year's, but it's obviously hard to compare the first year of a new generation of cars to the last year of a previous generation when they had years and years to perfect it and get rid of reliability problems. That's a really good point, Sarah. So Carlos, his teammate, like we said, he didn't have the hottest of starts and he kind of dropped back a few paces. Um, on lap seventh, he on lap seven, he had spun out at turn four. He did a big trip through the gravel, dropped a P11. This turn was tricky for everyone. Um, but there was some funny announcing about the sign. Announcers we're like, did he really just make this unforced error? Like so simply, like how how bad could it have been? But then two laps later, Max went off in the exact same place. And then immediately the announcers were like, okay, there obviously is an issue. And it turned <laughs> out to be really big wind gusts. I know no one gave Carlos the benefit yeah. of the doubt here. Um, but there was wind gusts that were causing the rears of the cars to spin out. Um, and also just to emphasize, like poor Carlos, the Italian media was all over him for like making this mistake. And it really wasn't his fault. Like there was just a confluence of events that led him to spin out. But his car did sustain some damage from the spin. He struggled his way back to P4. Obviously not the race he wanted at home in Spain, but actually it was his best Spanish GP result in the in his career so far. So a little bit of mix of bad luck and unforced errors, but let's see if he can step it up and help Ferrari stay competitive in the constructors. Also, even if this wasn't necessarily his fault, I think the combination of just his bad luck and unforced errors this season have made it pretty clear I think that he is the number two driver now and so I think the rest of the season they're just going to be full send behind Charles especially now that Max is ahead in the championship and they really need to just put all of their eggs in in Charles's basket now especially since as we get into it's very obvious that that's what Red Bull's doing totally so that brings us to Red Bull as we said Max had a tough time for a lot of the race the start he spun out like Carlos at turn four dropped down to P4, and then, of course, his later DRS problems haunted him. Then around lap 10, Checo had some great wheel-to-wheel action with George, who was in P2 at that point, which is just a testament to how much the Mercedes has improved now that George is able to keep Checo behind him. But also just he was 
really driving well and putting his car in the exact right position, I'd say. After that, we had the first team orders. Um, Russell, then Checo, then Max were all running super closely after Max's spin. And Checo was told to let Max pass, and he did. Then Max had his DRS problem and fighting with George, you know, to get ahead, couldn't do it. It was for probably, it was a 20 plus lap saga of Max and George running super closely, but Max not being able to pass because his DRS wasn't working properly. The flaps kept opening and then closing really quickly. They tried to tell him to only press it once it curbed, but nothing was really working. Max was obviously freaking out. He almost spun at turn seven when he was battling with George, which was a very rare kind of unforced error from him. He was saying on the radio, quote, we can't even make the bleeping DRS work, man. Unbelievable. The race engineer was telling Max to only press the button once because it seems like then he was pressing the button too many times. It was so frustrating. (laughs) It's Um, like the IT guy being like, just turn it off and turn it back on again, okay? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So there was just some really good tight battling. And at one point, since there were all these DRS problems, people thought that if there were going to be any team orders, it would actually be in front of Checo because Checo asked for his race engineer to let him pass Max at one point when Max was really struggling to pass George. So Jess, I want to tell us about kind of our main, our biggest hit here. Well, I think the biggest drama here, and that's what everyone's talking about, is, is these team orders that let Max pass Checo with 17 laps to go. So at this point, Charles had already had his power failure. George was pitted. So it was Checo, Max, and George. The team orders were issued when there was still a three-second gap between Max and Checo, Checo being in the lead. There was no fighting. I think Max had obviously just pitted and had really fresh tires and was catching up. His lap times were like over a a second faster each lap. And Checo said, you know, it's really unfair, but okay, conceded his place. And obviously Max is like, thanks, mate. Checo, you're a legend. Um... And Christian defended the orders, basically saying that, again, Max had that tiger advantage. I'm just going to come in here and say that that is really not a great call. I think if Max was already catching up to Checo in the first place, there was no need for Christian to immediately off the bat be like, Checo, move over, let Max pass. Like, it would have happened naturally. Maybe they would have fought it out a little bit. And maybe that's when the team orders might have come in. But I don't think that they needed to happen when they did. And... um I think it just probably put a little damper on Checo's parade and not in a great way. Yeah, I agree. And also it was interesting. Checo mentioned that, you know, he was obviously wanting to talk about the team orders, but he was more concerned about the difference in strategies, I guess, that led to these orders because he was chasing a two-stop strategy while Max went for three stops because of his spin. So he had those fresher tires and that three-stop strategy ended up working out better um but it was interesting that they were going for different strategies and then just didn't really line up well to your point Chesso, with with the orders yeah I think this was ultimately kind of a blunder on Christian's part I think in principle it's totally right for them to theoretically give team orders at this point if they're battling and if it's really looking like Checo could take points away from Max because I do get the point that it's early on in the season but they're just coming back off a season where the championship was so down to the wire that it was decided in the last race and things like whether or not you got one single fastest lap point actually were decisive. So in that sense, people are saying, oh, there's only whatever, six points between first and second if first gets the fastest lap. But in a, in a year like last year, that decides the championship. And when they've already been so far behind, I get that they just don't want to risk anything. But like Chess was saying, the way this was executed, I just don't think makes any sense at all. They... The teammates got along really well. It seems like 
they could have gone wheel to wheel for a little and Max would have been faster and passed and it would have avoided this entire drama. And like we said, then could have ended up being the type of triumphant one too that would give them a lot of good team energy going into it when now it's just kind of awkward. So uh, that's why I'm kind of blaming Christian for this. I don't understand why they needed to issue orders when there was still a three-second gap between the two drivers. And also it's not like fighting was kind of jeopardizing a lead they had to a car behind them because George was almost nine seconds behind them at this point. So that also wasn't wasn't a factor. It was almost like they just preemptively wanted to deal with the situation, but then they ended up making it worse. At least Checo got fastest lap, a consolation prize, I guess. I'm glad they didn't tell him <laughs> to abort that. So let's turn to Mercedes. Overall, big improvements to their porpoising thanks to the upgrades they brought, but they struggled on other fronts like the overheating and the water leak late in the race. Despite the great results for both drivers, George described it as sort of a survival race towards the end after both drivers were warned of a DNF possibility in the last few laps due to that water leak. George continued to show his consistency. He finished P3 on the podium and is still the only driver to have scored points in every race, so great for him. We saw some awesome defending from him as we talked about, and George was even leading for part of the race, which is the first time he's been able to do that this season. Yeah, and Max and... Um, Max and George had some really good, clean wheel-to-wheel racing. They seemed to have a really good relationship. And Max was, George was complimenting Max in in the post-race interview. They're like slapping each other on the back. So that was really great to see. It was just super clean with some back and forth passing between them. So that was exciting. We love to see that. Uh, We already spoke a little bit about Hamilton's drive, but he is the absolute GOAT um, for a reason. He went from P19 to P5 after that first lap contact between him and K-Mag. It, de- it was deemed to be a racing incident. It kind of seemed like K-Mag's fault, but essentially Lewis got a puncture and he dropped down to P19 and then had to pit. So by the halfway point, he was actually already up in P8. And though he didn't end up with the fastest lap, he had set several fastest laps throughout the course of the race. So he was doing so well, and it looks like he would have even come in in fourth had it not been for water leak overheating issues, which caused him to drop back a little bit. Um, but Sarah, you had some hot takes about what he said when he got clipped at the beginning. Tell us tell us your thoughts. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he after the hit at the beginning, Lewis pitted, was in P19, and it was just a puncture. So like they can go in and fix it in a pit stop. There were no concerns about anything with the power unit. And then Lewis got on the radio and said, I would save this engine, guys, if I was you. I'm sorry. So pretty unheard of to just offer to throw a race and retire a car when you're not doing well, when there isn't actual power unit damage. It was just a puncture problem. And his race engineer was like, you can get points. How about you like drive the car? And this reminded me of how recently Alonzo kind of threw some digs at him saying like, welcome to the midfield. Um, you have to be able to hustle and drive even if you can't, even if you have a car that doesn't let you be at the top of the field, even if you drive perfectly. So I think... Max gets super heated on the radio in the moment, as we saw. But I feel like afterwards, if you asked him, he would just be like, yeah, I was super annoyed. We've had so many reliability issues. I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. Then Lewis makes these comments, not really in the heat of the moment after the fact. And then after the race, does all this damage control where he's like, no, I wasn't being defeatist. That's actually not what I meant. It's like, well, then what did you meant? You said (laughs) you wanted to leave the race because you weren't doing well. (laughs) In his defense, that is still in the heat of the moment. And he did just that. Like he went out, he got points, he drove like a maniac. So I think I I personally give him a little bit of a pass there because I don't know, it's, it's tough. Like he, he, he had a good quality. He was well poised. He's had a horrible season to drop back down to P19. Like, I don't know. I, I see, I see the frustration there. 
But overall with Mercedes, I would say they seem to be finding the pace to potentially be racing near the top of the grid again, knock on wood. We'll see. It's definitely the best performance from them on pure pace so far this season, an improvement in straight line speed. And Toto said that he believes they've halved the distance or sorry, they've halved the disadvantage to their rivals and just need to find 0.3 seconds per lap without bringing back porpoising, which he thinks they can do. 0.3 seconds per lap is not negligible. So that feels like kind of a lot. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's also funny. The announcers kept saying Russell was P3 on pace, on pace. Like they kept saying or like on merit. They were also surprised. All right. Let's hit the other few teams here at the end. So Alpine, like I mentioned, they had a double points finish, their second of their season. It was great. We had Ocon in P7. Alonso, he had a tough beginning, but he finished in P9. Um, I think what's funny is the announcers were saying that he was driving like a man possessed. I don't know. Maybe it was the home team advantage or whatever it was, but he really, um, he had a good drive. You know, he got his points, got a little bit of hometown glory. All is good. And finishing P9, so driving from P20 to P9 also includes the fact that he had a slow pit stop almost six seconds at the end of the race. So he really also had had an amazing drive, kind of like Lewis did, like charging from the back of the pack. Alfa Romeo was another great weekend from Botas. He finished P6. It was his third top six finish of the season, and he has gotten points in every race he's finished so far, which we love King Botas. Botas has been talking about how happy he is, just amazing vibes all around, so we love to see that. It was a sad weekend, on the other hand, for his teammate Joe. That was his second DNF in a row, similar engine failure to what happened to Charles, as we mentioned and it looked like he was even in points contention for for P10, so that's pretty disappointing for him. For Haas, both cars were in the top 10 after quality, but sadly this is their second race in a row with no points. They just really haven't been able to convert. K-Mag had that collision with Hamilton at the start, um, which I personally think seemed like it was K-Mag's fault. Um, Mick at some point charged as high as P6, but he just really couldn't sustain it, kept getting passed, and finished P14. So another disappointment for Haas. We really hope they can pull it around and mix points continue to elude him. So let's talk about Aston Martin. Another tough race for them, despite the big upgrades that they had brought. They show up with a new car. It doesn't help. They had a ton of cooling issues. Stroll had a little bit of contact with Gasly, ended up finishing P15. Vettel clawed his way to P11. And sadly for Vettel, after the race, he was literally robbed in Barcelona, um, according to Oh my Spanish gosh, media. what? <laughs> He used he used the GPS location from his AirPods. Uh, side note, he has done that before as well um, to try and track down the culprits on his famous scooter. Um, the headphones have been abandoned and the bag had been stolen, but he gets extra points for trying. What is it with seven scooters? I feel like we hear this every weekend about him I on know. a scooter. So for Williams, sadly, Alex Albon's red hair lucky streak has ended. He finished P18. He was actually showing strong pace at the beginning, but had some damage to the floor, which caused him to fade. And he had to pit four times, unfortunately. Yikes. Latifi executed a three-stop strategy, but did not have the pace to finish higher than P16. It was his first time this season, though, outperforming Albon, but I guess you sort of have to really go for it after a rookie beats you in practice. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Brutal. Throwing Alpha Tauri really quickly. There was a great drive from Yuki to finish P10. Um, he was ahead of Gasly, who had, had some contact with Stroll later in the race, um, which Gasly did accept 
full responsibility for. Tough season for him. So lastly, McLaren, like we said, Lando fought his way to P8 despite his tonsillitis. He said it was the hardest race he's ever done. He was feeling super sick. And that because of that and his sickness, he had to miss a lot of the engineering sessions. So he was really on the back foot. Um, so P8's actually not too shabby for that. He still finished ahead of Danny Rip. Danny finished P12. Um, I basically looked pretty easy on everyone's side passing p- passing Danny this weekend. So Danny called it a really, really sad race. So I don't know what he's going to do. So bad. Yeah, if he doesn't turn it around, we're calling it now. His contract isn't getting renewed when it's up at the end of last season. Zach Brown also made a comment this week of how saying, oh, Lando's at the top of his generation with Russell, Leclerc, and Verstappen. And then he was asked about Danny, and he was like, Danny's still trying to figure out the car. (laughs) (laughs) So where did we end up? Final results. As we've said, it was another Red Bull 1-2. We had Max, then Checo, and then George on the podium. Signs in P4, Hamilton P5, Botas, Ocon, Lando, Alonso, and Yuki. So just to hit our quick radio of the week, as always, we posted it on our Instagram, but it was Checo saying, I'm happy for the team, but we need to talk. And that was in reference to, as we said, the team orders, which Christian was saying, drivers don't know the full race strategy from their seat, making him quote unquote confident that Checo would understand the team's rationale. We th- I sort of think Checo would have run that, would have won that race, but we will never know. So what does this mean for the standings? The Drivers' Championship has now been officially shaken up. Max takes the lead. He's six points ahead of Leclerc now, which would have been crazy just a few races ago. So we have Max with 110 points, then Leclerc with 104, Checo with 85, George with 74, Science with 65, and Hamilton with 46. And for the constructors, we have Red Bull passing Ferrari, Mercedes back in the mix, so perhaps we'll see a three-way battle this year after all. So we're at Red Bull 195, Ferrari 169, Mercedes 120, McLaren 50. Wow, it really drops off there. And Alfa Romeo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're gearing up now for a doubleheader. Monaco is this weekend, so look out for our preview episode, and we'll also be doing another special segment there as well. We can't wait. Oh, 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 oh,